0: yeah i mean i think you know maybe if you just looked at those games without any context you'd be somewhat happy but knowing how you know we just had them in the palm of our hand it, it really sucks but i think this team is peaking at the right time i like the matchup against oklahoma state and i think this team's poised to get to 500 a big 12 play and really do some damage all right, it's eleven forty in the morning here on Thursday afternoon. We are live for another at home edition of the Shake and Blake show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. My name is Blake Crawford alongside the all as always John Grove. How are you, John?
1: Not bad. I got my early morning oval team, which is which is protein chocolate milk in. So I'm Oh I'm yeah. Go. Kind of a relaxed day. I thought we were gonna get some snow. Me too. Like, yeah. I went all but I went around us.
0: Somehow. I mean, I mean like KU, Baker, UMKC, I think they all canceled class because they got a bunch of snow. We got zero. It is yeah. just totally dry out. It's crazy. But, yeah, you got anything fun playing this weekend?
1: Oh, just watching K-State basketball get two wins against Oklahoma State in the men's and women's. I heard you're
0: going out to Colorado. I am, yeah. I'm, I'm leaving to go back to Newton tonight. Hopefully, uh, the bros won't be too bad. I heard it's going to be better in the afternoon, so... I'll probably leave in a couple hours. Probably by the time the people are listening to this, but um, and then we leave Friday morning. So I mean, John. So if you're if you're me, you got an eight hour drive coming ahead of you. What's your strategy to keep you entertained?
1: Do try and do license plate games and try to find as many license plates as you can. If yeah. not, then just try to. I mean, just like hear me out. Just try and explore the scenery of Western Kansas. It might not be anything special. That's all I got to say. Is it's, nothing, it's nothing else special.
0: <laughs> okay, but I'll try to enjoy it. I'll try to enjoy it. Uh, I mean, I mean, I was planning on putting on some podcasts, probably the Bosco Boys one with Jacob Pullen. Definitely, that'll be worth checking out. Um, I'll probably do some research for some trivia, John, because, I mean, we're doing round three next Friday, um, I guess, to get him to promote the show. Uh, make sure that you're following us on Spotify or wherever you're listening. Make sure to leave a review. Make sure to follow us on social media. The links will be in the description. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter. It's at Shake and Blake 312. So uh, make sure we'll try and be more active there. Uh, tomorrow on Friday, we're uh, we're not going to be live on Wildcat 91.9. Nine. I'll be in Colorado. But the week after that, we'll have the Aggieville Cats on, which I think will be a good time. And then we're doing round three of trivia. So um, I'll probably, you know, I have eight hours, John, to research. No. So we're taking it up a notch you
1: know what's ironic when you go into colorado they have the welcome to color for colorado sign yeah like when you're coming in from kansas it just does not look colorful at all I mean, yeah just a lot of irony right there for my sake
0: yeah it really is but um hopefully i don't come back next friday um in a cast or beat up at all so uh, i like to think i'm a pretty safe skier i'm not yeah. terrible so i yeah. think i know
1: i know my limits the only beating is from you is going to be coming to- <laughs> when it comes to trivia.
0: Oh, yeah, obviously. We'll, we'll see what happens. It should be a good time. Uh, I, was, I was DMing the, the uh, Aggieville Alley Cats, Oh, my goodness. And uh, they said they're, they're, they think they're not great at trivia. But we'll see what happens. I'd like to keep it hard but, like, doable. But, I mean.
1: You tried we'll that. It didn't work out.
0: <laughs> what do you mean? You, did, you got, like, 11 out of 15 on the last one.
1: I know exactly I oh because it was
0: too easy oh you're wow some of, them were,
1: some of them were too easy
0: oh but like you didn't know Michael Beasley had the most rebounds before freaking okay, Smith.
1: I'm not that in depth on um, in <laughs> the detail of basketball well
0: you know what no. we'll let we'll let the the questions and the answers do the talking next Friday so we'll see how that goes but, uh, I mean, if you want to catch up and um, get a feel for how the trivia goes, we do have two other uh, trivia quizzes that are on Sporkle.com. That'll also be in the description of this episode as well. It's just Sporkle.com. And uh, you just look up uh, K-State Trivia Round 1. You can look up our name as well, Shake and Blake, and you'll find the two quizzes. So uh, first one's 11 questions. Second one's 15. I do I am proud of the second one. The conference realignment stuff was pretty creative. And uh, I think there's some really interesting stuff on there. But anyway, um, let's go ahead and get into some of the, the recap that we've had. We waited a little bit longer to do the uh, this episode just because we wanted to get uh, the West Virginia game on Monday. We wanted to do it Tuesday, but uh, life happened and we kind of had to wait a couple of days. But, I mean, John, Bamboo Bruce and the boys, they've Bamboo done it. Bruce. A winning streak.
1: Believe? Can you believe it?
0: Believe in the Bamboos.
1: They might not grow as quickly as we all thought it would, but now they're starting to get things going, starting to become a lot more – a lot more consistent on offense i mean there's a lot to like from this team right now it's just it's just all about uh playing throughout this all uh the all the entire minutes instead of having this kind of inconsistencies at times but nonetheless i mean k-state's showing a lot of positivity right now a lot of momentum heading into Stillwater. water you gotta love it
0: yeah i mean i think the bamboos growing about like 15 feet i mean it's pretty crazy i mean you know, you could be a Debbie Downer and be like, well, you know, like it's Iowa State and West Virginia, the two bottom teams in the Big 12. And exactly. it's like, first of all, like, do you even want to be happy? Like, you don't have to be so pessimistic. And second of all, I mean, you saw what Jazz Coons and Isaiah Brockington and this Iowa State team can do. You saw what Taz Sherman can do on Monday against West Virginia. These are not bad teams. These are still really good teams. Iowa State still um, in on the bubble in tournament contention. West Virginia is probably um, by this time kind of out, but I mean, there's still really solid teams that are, you know, definitely still quad one, quad two opponents that look good on a resume.
1: I mean, take it for what it's worth. Iowa State was undefeated in, con- in non-conference play previously. I think there were, oh boy, what was it 15 and 0 pre- uh, during non-conference play, but then they kind of tripped down a little bit, but I mean, nonetheless you're you're getting a huge win over Iowa State uh, in Hilton Coliseum and then follow that up uh, just like three like two days right after that with a with a win over West Virginia. Uh, two teams that have been competing with you on the bubble. So having the advantage over those two now, uh,
0: you better I mean you must be feeling confident hitting into your next few games. Yeah, I mean, we can talk a little bit hit on some of the points specifically in the Iowa State game, but I mean, generally, just one more point, you get two wins and like the tide has completely changed. You're alone in fifth place in the Big 12. And I don't think that's something K-State fans really imagined. I mean, it's kind of been viewed as a, another down year, another, you know, will Bruce keep his job? But I mean, you're sitting alone in fifth place. I mean, what did what did you really expect from this team, given the uh, the caliber of the Big 12 conference to be sitting alone in fifth place? I mean, in my letter to Santa that we did uh, last December, I asked that we, if we went to go 500 in uh, big 12 play and like I think that's reasonable it's somewhat reasonable it may be a little tough but it's definitely doable
1: he must be reading his mind or something I yeah know. But-
0: I, I mean maybe dude Santa's got my back I mean but- like you we asked for a quarter a confident quarterback well I mean you know maybe the jury's still out but I would say what I think we got I mean I think our wishes came true I think Santa came in clutch for us who knows? We'll see what happens. But yeah, you're right. I mean,
1: fifth place in the Big 12 after starting off 0-4 uh, while depleted with COVID. I mean, you come back uh, with wins over Texas Tech and Texas, two ranked teams. That gets you back sort of in-tournament conversation. But then you kind of take a little bit of a tumble from KU and Baylor at times. Uh, and then the last four out of five games, K-State K-State's just showed up at the, last, at the last few minutes or so, and they've just been able to capitalize. So... Uh, with that, Blake, we can start up with Iowa State and work through there.
0: Yeah, let's let's go ahead and get into that. We've been talking big picture for a while, so um, if you didn't catch it, uh, I they we K State beat Iowa State seventy five sixty nine in overtime. Which um, me and John were watching this game at Tanners, and we the before we had watched the uh, Texas Tech game, and I think there's some actual kind of like weird similarities between these two games. As like we just could not have been off to a worse start. First of all, we didn't even get to see it because uh, the game that was on ESPNU beforehand uh, was going a little bit long. So we missed a 13-0, a 13-0 run to start of the game by Iowa State. Jazz Coons scoring thir- uh, 11 of their first 13. He could not miss. We, we just looked terrible.
1: That was, that was Jazz Coons' first start of this season for Iowa State. And to think that he would have gone off on us, I mean, I, I just found it it's scratching and hair-raising. I mean – just seeing the way he was kind of dominating outside the perimeter at times. I mean, he, he showed up for Iowa State when when at times they needed to, but besides him and Isaiah Brockington, the Cyclones haven't really – I mean, the Cyclones didn't have as many weapons. It kind of relates to K-State when when they can only rely on Nigel Pack and Mark Smith uh, to lead them to victory at times. Uh, one thing I do want to mention is, I mean, we talked about rebounding in the past – it w- it's been a serious problem for K-State. The Cats struggled to clear the boards at times of the game as they gave up 14 second chance points. But a 12-0 run to put the Cats in front was fueled by aggressive passing lane defense, contesting shots around the rim. Nigel had two blocks in that game. Uh, we'll talk about the one where he had on Tash Sherman uh, later on. Uh, and they were clearing the boards in Iowa State's possessions. They did this impressively late in an overtime, especially considering that most of the Iowa State shots came from distance. The win was also made possible by the cool plays, like from a Noel offensive rebound, the floater and the flying, one-handed tomahawk followed by Ish. Hitting the boards and walling them off paid crucial dividends. K-State only lost the rebounding battle, 42-37, to 37, and the second chance points were 14-10. I mean, there's still deficits, but and that, I mean, maybe you still need to improve on I mean, them. But there's light years ahead of that terrible effort against KU uh, in that win that should have been.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't. Know. We have to have some sort of. I don't know what the. There's probably some obscure record out there for most wins when you lose the rebounding battle. But I think we're going to be competing for it because it's probably just going to be that way every single game. But I think you hit on a, a key point there that I think one of the differences between the games that we've lost in this Iowa state game that we would have came out on top, like even in the first half and throughout the entire game, I think we hit some really big shots. When you go down 13, nothing, I think it's really easy just to kind of bleed out the game and, you know, stay at like 20 points and just slowly give up. But I think we went on some big runs in the first half to keep it within seven or five, you know, and um, we hit some really big threes early on, which really helped us out. Nigel pack really, you know, helping us stay in this game and I mean, he hits a three to make it 27, 23 in the first half. And you, you know, we're starting to kind of, you know, get back to kind of homeostasis and get into kind of like the flow of the game, overcoming that 13, nothing deficit. But I mean, right before halftime, they're on a 13, five run 40 to 28 at half. It's not really what you want to see, but we come out um, it's 54 or 54 to 42 with twelve thirty-three left. And then all of a sudden a switch flips. I mean, we go on an 18 to 4 run, and I, I wrote down all the baskets that we had in this 18 to 4 run. I mean, Mark Smith drives, he gets fouled. Sultan Miguel drives, he gets fouled. Mark Smith gets fouled off the ball, he shoots free throws. Ishmael Sood with that emphatic putback dunk. Um, McGurl with the steal and the left handed layup. Um, let's see, Mark Smith gets fouled again. I mean, none of these are threes, these are all off of turnovers or driving to the paint. Uh, you know getting fouled and getting to the free throw land it was the same thing we hit on in the Texas game when we got down early how we got out of how we um, got back into a game is getting to the line being aggressive being aggressive on defense we have great hands on defense with guys like Selton Miguel who was I think actually pretty key in this game and it was really good to have him back and Marquise Noel and Mike McGurl really all making stuff happen and by the time you know it we're up 60 to 58 with um, you know a few minutes left in the game and we're, we're feeling pretty good yeah, feeling pretty good all of a sudden, but
1: I mean, when you're talking about aggressive defense, I mean, you would want to have Sultan Miguel out on the floor. He He's done as much as this K State team has kind of asked for in terms of defense throughout these past few games uh, that he's been contributing to. Uh, but I mean, late late in the set can have K State's right back in it. Uh, Iowa State. They're still, they're still in part of it. However, it just did not look like their their game managing was able to succeed uh, when it came to late game situations. Kind of referring to K State back in non conference play a little bit. Uh, and then I don't know what what it was, but just a massive miscalculation on Marquise Noel on the final. Uh, what was it? Twenty three seconds. Not, it uh, might have been but, a little
0: bit less, but yeah, just that 20, last
1: play. But a, but the last play. Uh, I believe it was what Bruce Weber was going to set up a play, uh, but Marquis Noel waved it off. Like he, he was going to try and take the final shot from almost all void of the Iowa State logo, uh, which that was not going to work, especially when you have uh, Brockington and, and uh, Jazz Koontz on him. So uh, not a, not the best miss. Not the best idea in mind, but he he made it up during overtime.
0: I mean, it looked. I, I just. I mean, when I saw it, it kind of looks like he imagines himself as Damian Lillard. I think Game <laughs> Five of the uh, the first round, and it's Paul George. He totally oh, saw like himself it. in that moment being the hero. It like, but, I mean, uh,
1: was it like Damian Lillard when he made the game-winning three against Oklahoma City? Yeah, yeah. That's what I, I was.
0: Yeah. yeah. But I mean, he takes like 10 seconds to wave everybody off. And, you know, by the time he's there's five seconds left, by the time he's waved everybody off and he's, you know, trying to dribble it out his internal clock just is totally off. And there's three seconds left. He probably doesn't even realize it until he looks up and sees three seconds. He's got to get it off. And I mean, he gets blocked from the logo, which is extremely rare, even for a five, eight guy. I mean, we can just call it like it is. It was really stupid. He knows it was stupid and it shouldn't have happened. I mean, I don't know if you're Bruce. I mean, you know, he puts a lot of trust in his guys, which is definitely fair, but you got to be thinking to call a timeout because this just looks like it's going nowhere. And I mean, you know, we've kind of seen people talk about Nigel Pack as kind of like a quiet leader. He's not exactly the most talkative guy. I think you'd really like to see him be more assertive in that kind of situation, wanting to get the ball. Because, I mean, I think every K-Stanwick fan would, you know, want to have the ball in Nigel Pack's hands for that last shot.
1: I'd say that as well. But when but considering the fact that we've seen Marquise Noel hit these type of crazier shots, I don't think that would have been the worst thing uh to see from a K State fan. I mean, the consistency might not be there but almost every game uh that we've seen, but uh, when he's able to hit these type of wild shots then I mean the worst thing we could do is go into overtime against it is to go into overtime and I mean, that's nothing that's nothing to shove a stick about, considering you're playing in Hilton Coliseum of all places. Uh, but going into overtime, Marquis Noel hit the game winning three uh, points in overtime to finish with 16 points, six of 13 shooting, including three of six from three point range. I think that one uh, especially was the dagger to to give the Cats the win. Uh that also goes with the team high six assists and three steals in a career best 44 minutes.
0: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it there, 44 minutes for Marquise Noel. What an absolute uh, fighter. I mean, the McGurl steal in the end one as well was um, huge. It, they were kind of going back and forth the first few minutes of overtime, but I think that steal in the end one really kind of opened thing up for us. And then that three kind of sealed the deal at the very end. But I mean, you know, um, you hit on uh, and well with 16 points. I mean, Nigel Pack, obviously Mr. Reliable, 7 of 10 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3. I mean, oh, my goodness, 19 points for him. And then, you know, I mean, we're – I think we're now 6 and 1, uh, including the win against West Virginia when we have four and double figures. We've always just needed those one or two extra guys you know, we got a little boost from Ish Masood, you know, he was one of six and three, but five of 10 from the field. That really nice putback dunk that gave us some momentum, got him 11 points, nine points from Mike McGurl, a classic 15 and nine from Mark Smith. I mean, this is a real, this is how you imagine a K-State win going based on what we've seen these days.
1: Well, I'm going to point this out uh, before I'm going to kind of relate to what what, to the stat you just put up, but, I mean, after I, I think the defense overall contributed heavily for the, for this game. I mean, after allowing Iowa State to score 40 points in the first half, 51.6% from the field, uh, K-State allowed a combination 29 points in the second half and an overtime uh, on 31.4%, 11 of 35 when it comes to shooting, 20% from beyond the arc. So defense con- contributed a, a whole lot as well. I think not only uh, – K State is six and one um, when it comes to, boy, what what is it? What, when it has balanced scoring from a lot of guys? Uh, you look at some of the situations and you see K State down by eight plus points. Some of uh, some of the times K State's able to come back from eight plus down. I mean, we've seen it with Wichita State earlier this year, where K State got off to a terribly slow start. Uh, Nebraska. Uh, when K-State couldn't get any shooting going, uh, Texas Tech. K-State eventually won by about eleven. Uh, you you mentioned the Texas game where K-State was starting to become more aggressive and go inside the three-point line. Uh, got a big win over Texas there. I mean, you got I mean, you got Iowa State and presumably West Virginia, which we will talk to talk about in just a second or so.
0: Yeah, I, I just want to. This is kind of applicable to both the Iowa State game and the West Virginia game. But um, I think there was a big personnel change as well in the Iowa State and the West Virginia game. We went a lot smaller. 15 minutes from Davion Bradford, nine minutes from Carlton Lingard in the Iowa State game. Tw- only 24 minutes of the game. We spent the majority of the game with either Smith slash at the five or uh, Ishma at the five. And that was really – I mean, that's pretty much how we wrote out the game. That's how we finished the game. That's how we started overtime with that lineup in there. I mean, it was pretty much the same story – uh, in the West Virginia game as well. 10 minutes for, uh, Davion Bradford and Carlton Lingard played two minutes, zero minutes from, uh, Casey Eziego in either of these games. I mean, is this, is this what we're going to do going forward? Do you even, do you even see us starting out with Sud at the five? Well, I think that's the best, uh, best,
1: like, like you got, you have to go with someone eventually. So, I mean, when you look at where K-State is and, Terms of paint production, Ego hasn't played in a while. Bradford and Lingard combined for 12 minutes, but none of them could really get things going. Uh, Bruce decided to plug Ishmael at center because honestly, I mean, why not at this point? Uh, it, it's not like because the other centers don't rebound, but when what you gain is a legit shooter at the fifth spot who can further stretch uh, the defense and open up space for drives and cut in cuts to the rim centers don't like trying to guard ish because they're essentially trying to be, uh, they're trying essentially being asked to guard a tall wing on the perimeter.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's a huge, it's not really a strategical thing. I think from uh Bruce, but I think it's just the best five guys. <laughs> you putting the best five guys out on the floor. I mean, rebounding is a problem obviously with a lineup like that, but it's a problem anyway, when you have Davion Bradford, a Carlton Lingard, it doesn't really matter. they help a little bit, but the rebounding is going to be that way anyway. So I think if you can put five shooters on the floor, I think your best five guys who can get you a bucket and play a pretty solid defense when you have a guy like Mark Smith, who at six four is as strong as he is. You know, they put, um, they put Cottrell, uh, Mark Smith on Cottrell of West Virginia in, the, in that game, and I think he did okay. I mean, it wasn't as good as Davion Bradford, but I think Mark Smith is a huge plus on offense, and we're lucky if Davion Bradford's a zero on offense. And I think, you know, rebounding, he's for sure negative. I think think his defense is definitely good. It's just, you know, boxing and getting rebounds really is, it's just a, it's a weak point. Well, I think one of our interesting and somewhat and an unintended consequence of playing issue
1: but fifth uh, more often is that encourages the opposition to play through their center. But I mean, that's basketball, right? You see their matchup in the post and you go after it all game long. That was that was regular basketball, but how it's starting to become a little bit of a different trend in 2022 where it's just become a perimeter game. Centers aren't typically the guys responsible for putting the ball in the hoop anymore, and when it suddenly becomes the center of, a, of the offense, it doesn't tend to be too efficient.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like how the, you know, the, the, the super small ball Houston Rockets, their kind of approach. I mean, people just looked at their lineup and was just like, well, we'll just feed it to our big the entire time. But if you're feeding it to your big, your best player is probably a guard. So you're not giving it to your guard as much anymore. So your offense actually isn't as efficient. So it's kind of a weird mind game you have to play. But again, I think Bruce Weber's just putting his best five guys out there. And I mean, Uh, you know, I think it's as simple as that going back to the West
1: Virginia game, I mean, the freshman Isaiah Cottrell is averaging four points a game. But because K-State played in such a small lineup, uh, Bob Huggins must have had, felt he had no option but to give him shots. Uh, he ended scoring a season-high 13, but it took – excuse me. It ended uh, scoring a season-high 13 points, but it only took him 14 shots to get there. He was only 35% from the floor. Even though, in theory, he was a clear mismatch West Virginia needed to exploit. Uh, Ish was able to, to uh, make Contrell shoot over him, and it worked well for, for him. Uh, and then you got Taz Sherman, their leading scorer of the season. He still managed to get up 15 shots and ended up with 23 points. But their second leading scorer, typically Sean McNeil, who just lit up K-State back in Morgantown, he only managed to score five points on six shots. Uh, and may, mainly the Mountaineers went to control as their second option instead of what was a more efficient McNeil with how K-State was just playing small ball and aggressive all out.
0: Yeah, I mean, so K-State gets the win against Iowa State two days later on Valentine's Day. They're playing at home against West Virginia. And, I mean, you look at this, you know, 44 minutes from Mark Smith, 44 minutes from Marquise Noel, 39 minutes for Nigel Pack. I mean, it, I, I, was, I was seriously concerned about our, our energy levels coming into this game, but I don't really think it was a concern at all Really, I think you know it looked like pretty much the same. We, I don't think our start was as slow. I don't know. It, it wasn't. It wasn't the best, but we hit four threes to start out the game, and we kept it pretty close most of the game until kind of a run at the end. Uh, let West Virginia get a lead at halftime, but overall, I was I, mean, I was pretty happy. Especially now we know we're a second half team, so that bamboo well, really grows in the second half. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I, and I don't think K State's defense didn't even play that
1: bad in the first half. Yes, yeah, so you didn't. You, you didn't. Uh, Force any turnovers, uh, but I mean, all around, you were you were getting to to the guy you were supposed to guard. Uh, you were pressuring you were pressuring them as the shot clock was ticking down. I mean, they just kind of got lucky on a few shots, especially from the ones that Tash Sherman was able uh, to go. But well, one thing I did want to mention from this game, uh, when West Virginia was up by ten, that started in an a two run by the Wildcats. I mean, in, in eighteen to two run in over eight minutes after previously being down by ten points. I mean, almost all of them were threes, and and there were not any layups.
0: Yeah, I mean, before we just get into any K State stuff, you just got to give credit to Tad Sherman for everything he did for West Virginia. I mean, if we had lost this game, I think you you kind of just have to give tip your hat to Tad Sherman for what he did. I mean, 23 points, seven of 15, he didn't shoot it great from three, one of five, but he was absolutely dominating the mid range tons of contested jumpers. He had a baseline um, jumper what, with a couple minutes left in the game to bring it to one against Michael, McGurl. I mean, you can't tell Mike McGraw to play any better defense and Taz Sherman still hit it. I mean, it was just a superb performance from him. He got some help from a uh, Kedrian Johnson who ended up fouling out of the game, I think. And then Isaiah Cottrell, obviously you mentioned it. Um, being the big man in our small against our small lineup had 13 points. He had a lot of outside jumpers. To be fair, he lit a lot 18 footers. He didn't really work inside the paint a ton. He got it a couple times, and it didn't look great. But I mean, I you know, it still kind of worked out for him. But yeah, you mentioned the 18 to two run in the second half. We do it again. I mean, 18 four against Iowa State. 18 to two run against West Virginia. I mean, it was just it was really fun to watch. I mean, I have I have a note in the second half that West Virginia tries a one three one zone for like one possession and then Noel hits that super deep three and then they just immediately give up on it. So, I mean, uh, overall, was, I mean, I'm really happy with this game. That
1: was when he was,
0: uh, that was like right after he, he uh,
1: during the previous offensive position where he kind of took a pretty big hit on the, on the floor uh, and he got up and he was kind of, he was kind of, you you and I saw yeah. this, he was like holding his, he was holding his hand onto his knee and he was kind of limping a little bit, but he was still able to get things going. Uh, but one thing I did want to mention during that 18-2 run, K-State didn't give up a whole lot of offensive rebounds during that 18-2 run. West Virginia, they previously had 10, but they only had two rebound, offensive rebounds at the time. That's how good K-State got up at picking uh, up their defense and making sure they had guys underneath that were able to clear out rebounds instead of giving West Virginia opportunities for second-chance points.
0: Yeah, that was, I mean, that's a huge key. Obviously getting offensive rebounds is really, I mean, it's really just killed us defensively. I mean, West Virginia still has 12 offensive rebounds. It's, that's pretty solid, but we have 10. So, I mean, you know, it's pretty comparable. We're within three in the rebounding battle, which I think if we're in five, we probably won the game. If you just, if you didn't watch the game or you want to look at the stats, but I mean, I think the thing we really need to talk about is the free throws. Cause I mean, I mean, we can talk about the refs too, because I think there was there were some questionable moments, but I mean 31 of 39 from the free throw line. I mean 80%. I mean that that pretty much single-handedly wins you game if you hit your free throws at a solid clip. 20 of 24 for West Virginia, which I think most of the times is pretty solid amount, but I mean almost 40 free throws. I mean, we were we sat together watching this game in the student section. I mean, I was like, this game is gonna go on forever. They are calling every little ticky-tack foul. And it's just, it was just kind that of annoying to watch.
1: One of the most infuriating games in terms of officiating I'd seen in a long time. That was the same, that was the same uh, officiating crew that came that, that, uh the night before they were officiating the Boise state, Colorado state basketball game. They flew all the way from Boise to Manhattan. So, I mean, I don't know. I thought, I mean, I, I was anticipating a lot better when it comes from the officiating, but, I mean, when you have John Higgins in West Virginia on the same court, you're going to have a lot of boost from a crown. But I mean, you mentioned it in a physical game in which 44 personal fouls were called, K State took their advantage of the opportunities from a free throw line, converting 31 of 39 attempts, including 12 of 13 in the first half. The 31 free throws, uh, they were most in the games uh, in more than six seasons uh, since making 36 against South Dakota. On uh, November 10th of 2015, they also have 39 attempts, uh, which was the most uh, since posting 40 uh, in, at West Virginia on February 11th of 2017.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you just if you're if you don't believe us and you need a little bit of evidence, 1720 in the second half um, is the most egregious call probably I think I've ever seen in person um isaiah cutrell blatantly double dribbles he loses the ball and then he goes takes a couple steps to like recover nobody touched it and they call absolutely nothing and i believe he got fouled and shot some free throws which was really annoying Uh, 11 13 in the second half selton miguel um contests a taz sherman jumper on the baseline he just puts his hand straight up i don't know he barely makes any contact of anything at all he gets and um they call a foul on miguel I mean, oh my goodness. And then there's that that was that there was that intentional foul. I'm not sure who committed it on West Virginia on Mark Smith. They had to review it to see if it was a flagrant when it it seemed pretty obvious no play was made on the ball. I mean, overall, you know, I hate talking about the refs because usually they don't have an impact on the game, but I think this one is particularly I, just hard to argue for them. I
1: mean, for K State and West Virginia sake, Yeah.
0: Like, I mean, I I I, I
1: I'd be seeing this as a K State fan, but I mean I'd I'd be seeing that as a West Virginia fan. Both teams got a lot of a lot of bad calls and it was just it was just a really frustrating night when it comes to like having to having to play the weight uh the weight and stuff game. I mean this, but I don't think I mentioned this as well, but there was also a lot of clock issues as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think there were so, two stoppages on, for the shot clock. Rear. So. Which is a
0: bit unfortunate. I mean, I'm sure it was, you know, just technology stuff that was out of their control. You know, it just, it is what it is. You just have to go with the flow. It is kind of annoying. But I mean, you know, taking a look at some of the stats again in this game, four and double figures, you know, Ishma Sud with a number double digit game. You know, it doesn't, when you're watching the game, it doesn't really stand out because he didn't shoot it great. I mean, I remember that one three he made in the second half. I heard somebody behind me yelling when Masood shot. He's like, no. And it was just a perfect swish. He looked like such a dummy. I mean, 8 of 10 from the free throw line. You know, you should 2 of 8 from the field, but you get to the line and you make your shots. I mean, late in the game, it was a one-point game. Masood gets fouled on a three. He hits all three free throws, which really helps us keep the game at four points and really creates a nice little cushion for us. And that's how we ended up just sealing the game which really helps huge step up from Marquise Noel four to six from three, twenty-one points was our leading score. And we really needed it from him when, um, Nigel Pack was, you know, having a quote off game, which, you know, 13, six and five. Doesn't sound too bad to me.
1: Not too bad. Not too bad. I mean, going back to that last stretch, West Virginia made one, one last run in the, uh, at the lead using an 11, three run to cup a deficit to 74, 73. Um, it, it looked like things were kind of going a little bit cool for K-State until uh, Massoud was found on a three-pointer, which, I mean, even then I kind of questioned it as well because all Tas Sherman had, he had his one hand up, uh, which led Massoud to a uh, foul line and calmly drained all three free throws to push K-State back uh, in the But, yeah, I mean, Marquis Noel does it again. He recorded his 20-point – his second 20-point game of the season, including his first in Big 12 play, which is a team-high 21 of 7, seven, and oh, blah, seven of 11 uh, in terms of field goals, including 4 of 6 from three-point range and 3 of 4 effort uh, from a free throw line. He also added a game-high three steals to go along with three assists two re- and two rebounds in 33 minutes. So he really contributed with how much he was in foul trouble as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, he picks up his fourth foul um, in the in the second half, has to come out for a little bit. Um, it's like coming back into the game with, like, three minutes left or something like that. But, I mean, how about Mark Smith, 17-10? and 10, I mean, was it his seventh double-double or something this season? Just absolutely absurd. And, I mean, 10 of 11 from the free throw line. He missed some key free throws in games before, but he hit his free throws in this game. And, I mean, it really, it really paid off for us and made the difference in this game.
1: I mean – where would what would the score of that game be if K State did not have, the, the type of free throw shooting? Like you kind of go back to, oh, I th- I guess the best game that comes into my mind is the TCU one uh, in Manhattan a couple a couple of weeks back where K State was just not able to get things going on the free throw line. I mean, this was a lot of free throws. K State had to shoot. I mean, 31 out of 39. That's a tall. That that's a. But I mean, that's just a lot. But imagining where k-state would be without a free throw shooting that would just i don't know it just wouldn't probably work out in the wildcats favor
0: yeah i mean i think marquette is another game that comes to mind missing a few free throws late i mean you know when you get two wins like this and you're six and seven and you're just it's just so tempting to play the what if game it's like what if we had all these people going up going against west virginia oklahoma and texas at home you know what if we made our free throws against marquette you know What if, you know, maybe play a little better in that in the uh, tournament against Arkansas, Illinois, but there's nothing you can do about it now you can't change your season, you just have to go forward. Um, And you know I kind of want to just touch on the big 12 standings again we're six and seven in conference play, which I think coming into, you know, coming into the season you probably think well I mean we'll take that. It hasn't been the prettiest, you know, because there are a lot of games we should have won, and you really want to have them back, but we picked up some wins that we needed to pick up we have five wins we're five and four on the road this season, which is tied for the most in the Big 12 behind KU, and is sitting alone in fifth place. TCU's got a tough schedule ahead, and we have some winnable games we could do. I mean, Iowa State at home, you'd hope maybe, you know, this next game, Oklahoma State on the road. I mean, it's, it, you know, 9-9. Nine and nine. Nine Possible. And nine. Possible.
1: Possible. I mean, dream.
0: but this
1: this Oklahoma State game is not going to be easy. I'll, I'll touch on the Big 12 yeah. the a little bit. Being in fifth place with almost a 500 record, that is that is a really good spot, especially if you want to uh, be in consideration for the NCAA tournament, uh, come come in March. Uh, I mean, you the top four are, are clear as ice. I mean, KU clearly the top front runners. You got Baylor and Texas Tech and Texas uh, all right behind them. Then it kind of gap opens, but K State is in that front position uh, out of any to be. Really, a key kind of team. It, like, if you're gonna have to, if you're gonna have to get Iowa State and Oklahoma into the tournament, you gotta include K-State in it as well. Uh, shoot, what was I gonna say? I don't, I don't understand why the what's going on with a bracketologist. I mean, they yeah. they have K-State in the next four out. K-State. I mean, when you're looking at some of the resumes compared to some of these teams like SMU memphis oklahoma even north carolina lost to lost to a 10 and 16 pit team yesterday they're still in the last four in i mean it, it's it just comes comes to show that the bracket but that bracketology is just kind of a it's just arbitrary,
0: arbitrary. yeah subjective yeah way
1: of putting it but It K Uh, K State does. It K State does their job. I think. I think the Cats have a have a shot. Well, I think if K State does their job in general, I mean, K State has a real good shot at making a tournament. I mean, you can you can afford a loss to K U or Texas Tech in Lubbock. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. uh, But do your work at home. You got you got you got still you got a road game at Oklahoma State, and then you got home games against Oklahoma and Iowa State left. So so and considering where Oklahoma is as well, Oklahoma yeah. might not be might be feeling kind of more of a shakiest team in the Big Twelve right now after losing a close home one to Texas. So a lot of momentum factors for a lot of the teams. I do I do notice as well TCU's schedule is extremely tough. They have to play Baylor, Texas, Texas Tech, uh one more time, and then they have to play KU twice because of COVID concerns as well. So yeah, I mean a lot of basketball to be played, looked like.
0: Yeah, and I think that makes the Oklahoma State game even more important because they'll probably be our top competitor for that five spot with TCU having such a tough schedule. So if we can sw- if we could sweep Oklahoma State, I mean, that would be really awesome. Be able to sweep somebody. You like your chances against Iowa State. And, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead, but if the standings were to you know play out the way they are now, I think if we're the five seed playing against Texas, I mean, I think I like our chances. You know, the way we're oh. playing now, I think, you know, it's a very beatable Texas team. I'm I'm with you as well,
1: but I'm not going to get too all I'm not going to get all too excited because while K State yeah. is definitely relying more on their guard game as of late, there are some definite downsides. Uh, any team with a legit scoring center will blow this lineup into water. I mean, take the Baylor game uh, with Jonathan Chamo-Chacho, who just on his day kind of got things going for Baylor against the Cats. Oh, uh, did you see the leg injury? I, I showed Ooh, you. the Oh yeah, that was that brutal. Was just- that was yeah, terrible. Thoughts and, thoughts and prayers to him. But yeah, uh, another example you could use, I, I'm kind of looking at some of the uh, other basketball games. Purdue, I, I'd i say, is a really good example, but uh, probably put up 120 points and 90% shooting if you left Ishmisu to play against the <laughs> Williams and Zach Aday uh, in the post. Yeah. Uh, but traditional centers may not be good for K-State, but at some point, sizes matters. At least on defense, it usually matters for rebounding. Now, for Oklahoma State, the good news is for the Wildcats is that Oklahoma State doesn't feature a single post player. If the Cowboys want to run their offense through uh, muscle size uh, because it's just guarding him, I'm assuming Coach Weber will be thrilled. I kind of think uh, they wouldn't mind Kansas trying to beat them with a David McCormick-centric offense either, uh, although it was probably uh, bound to be another bloodbath in the glass as well.
0: Yeah, I mean definitely, but I mean if you can get if you can get the ball out of the hands of Ochai Abaji and Christian Braun, I think I think it's built or as Bruce Weber, you just live with whatever the outcome is. And if David McCormick pucks up 30, then like it is just is what it is. But I mean, it's it's an important stretch coming up for Case State. They can control what they can control, you know, the bracketologists can do what they want, but all you got to do is win the games you're supposed to win and yeah. compete in games, you know. Um, yeah. you know, let that bamboo keep growing. You you mentioned it. I mean, of course all wins
1: will be critical at this time this year, uh, uh, in K-State's position, but the road dogs, like when you, like but Nigel Pack-Audio, like, yeah, uh, K-State needs to grab at least one of these three road games, uh, in order to still keep themselves, uh, in terms of tournament aspirations.
0: Excuse okay. Oh, yeah, uh, you're
1: fine. And with the other two being Texas Tech and KU, I, I mean, those are not tough I mean, those are not easy atmospheres to play at by any means. So, I mean, when you look at this Oklahoma state team, a team that, that looking at comparing very similar, uh, you know, Oklahoma state's going to be, Oklahoma state's going to be ready after what K state did to them, uh, earlier this year. Uh, I mean, beating Oklahoma state
0: right now in Stillwater, it becomes paramount. Yeah. I mean, it really does. Um, uh, there's just one more thing I want to hit on before we uh, take a break and then hit on some women's basketball and the uh, upcoming baseball season is uh, the attendance for the game on Monday. It was not great. 5,400 people. Who knows if that's true? Who knows if they padded that a little bit? The student section was not very full. The rest of the crowd was empty. I mean, Tim Fitzgerald talks about this on his daily delivery. Just, I mean, a pretty pitiful to come out for a Monday night game. I mean, there are, there's women women's games that have more people than this and no disrespect to the women, but for a men's basketball team, you know, it's just really tough. I think the, a lot of the older fans, they've, it's just a lot of apathy towards, you know, brusket and kind of the past three years that we've had, but I mean, you know, we've got, well, kind of, I think K-State fans generally have just been riding with the highs and lows of this season, getting a few wins against good teams and then losing three in a row or blowing some leads it's just been it's been a roller coaster ride, and we've been right there with it the whole entire time. Well, I think
1: part of it too is just I didn't think there was going to be a whole lot of excitement from some of these games. I mean, considering as well when you have a big Monday night game when a lot of people are going to be work, a That's lot true. of stuff are a lot of stuff are happening. Uh, I don't know. I I think part of it you would you would have to use as a minor factor, but I mean. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, tentative on this. Uh, as a K-State fan, I mean, I love Bruce Weber, great coach uh, on the court, off the court as well. Uh, he's done a lot for this university, uh, in this basketball program. Uh, I, I'm I'm gonna have to use this from a fan's perspective. I mean, uh, you got to deliver on excitement at some point. So far, this team has uh, as of late, but it's all about trying to build that up more and more and more. Uh, kind of going back to the Texas Tech and Texas wins, like you had a lot of buildup heading into the KU game. But then after that, you kind of fell off a little bit, trying to kind of build that up. I, I don't think K-State fans are going to take that too lightly uh, when, when you're kind of going through a rhythmic pattern. I think this is kind of like uh, 2020 K-State football when K-State had that. Com- head-scratching loss to Arkansas State you come back and beat Oklahoma you get a few wins going but then when you get rotted by West Virginia Morgantown and just kind of begins a huge down actually I take this back it's 2019 where you kind of start up with three wins then you kind of drop down with three losses yeah back up with three wins you get a few more losses I mean He's just kind of a consist, consistent pattern, and I, and I understand for bas- from the basketball side of things, it just hasn't worked out to Bruce Weber's advantage.
0: Yeah, it just I mean, it just hasn't been there, you know, and I think the thing that really, I think a lot of people probably got turned off after the KU game. They saw us blow that hugely, yeah. and they're just like, no, like, you know, I'm done with this team. And, I mean, it's, it's hard to blame them because once you lose their attention, it's really hard to get it back. I think we really need to win. If you really want to get it back, you got to get to 500 in a conference play and beat Oklahoma State. I mean, who knows? Maybe if you can, you know, keep it to single digits against KU at Allen Fieldhouse, that will get people's attention. But, I mean, just I think one more final point is just, I mean, Nigel Pack is a sophomore. He's got two more years at K-State, and you really don't want to waste a guy like that, a, a guy of his talent, you know, not making the NCAA tournament. He's got two more years left. Hopefully they can do it this year. But you'd really like to see, you know, a guy like Nigel Pack have some success and make a run um, in the tournament, especially when you have a guy, you know, Mark Smith, who's only here for one more year and try and, you know, will this team into the tournament to try and, you know, make some stuff happen. There's a lot of talent on this team. You just got to find the consistency
1: throughout these games, whether it comes from Nigel Pack or Mark Smith or both of them on the same night. I mean, K-State's just got to get more out of everybody uh, like we've seen from these past two games. If K-State's able to get that all together, add to the fact that you can also get things going with the guys in the paint, because we've seen we've seen all year with the help of Davion Bradford, uh, Casey ego. he started off the season well, but he hasn't got, gotten anything going during Big 12 play. Uh, if, if by any magical stretch of of, of uh, conclusions, if K-State's able to get those guys going, I mean, this team could be dangerous. I mean, it all just takes consistency. I mean, this is the best – this is probably the best basketball we're seeing from this team in conference play for sure. Uh, and I think part – and I think if, if this team wants to make it to the tournament, they have to just be – playing their best basketball when it comes to like com- competing when it comes to playing in the paint, consistency all around the perimeter. Just some of those factors will get K-State uh, – will we'll get K-State and uh, winning these co- type of contests or, I mean, playing their best but just coming up a little bit short, which is something you don't want to see from K-State. But, I mean, if it's some – I mean, but when you take an end of factor like you're losing by three to KU – uh, you're losing to Texas Tech by less than 10 points. I mean, I'd I, I take that any day, especially considering where K-State is uh, in terms of their record.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, maybe if you just looked at those games without any context, you'd be somewhat happy. But knowing how, you know, we just had them in the palm of our hand, it, it really sucks. But I think this team is peaking at the right time. I like the matchup against Oklahoma State, and I think this team's poised to get to 500 in Big 12 play and really do some damage. So I think with that, we can go ahead and wrap up uh talk on men's basketball. We'll take a quick break and then uh, quickly wrap up with uh, women's basketball and the baseball team starting off their season here on the Shaken Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. From there. We'll okay. I don't have a ton written out. But, yeah, we'll just kind of, you know, head on it briefly and then do some – you know, a little baseball. bit of men's baseball, get out of here. Did you
1: just say men's baseball? <laughs> yeah i did
0: i'm let's used to women's baseball women's baseball women's baseball men's softball men's fo- yeah let's have, let's talk about the men's football team let's talk about the let's talk about the
1: uh uh dang it i was gonna say wrestling, but we don't have wrestling can, can you
0: equest- equestrian we used to have equestrian well we don't have it anymore no, soccer. Soccer replaced it. Oh, really? That's what? Okay. Yeah, but John,
1: John Curry, our former AD, he was um he was wanting to get soccer on board, but it had to take getting rid of a program uh like equestrian to do that. Yeah, I'm I'm a little disappointed we don't have a wrestling team. That I would think, be fun because there's a lot of talent in the state of Kansas. I yeah. Mean, the- Beckham- Newton High School. A lot of good wrestlers, a lot of good wrestlers down in the Wichita Metro Western Kansas has some really good yeah. wrestlers, Manhattan has some good products as well. I mean, K State could have their first national title, I'm gonna be honest. When it, if, if K State had a wrestling, but
0: yeah, I mean, there's a guy I went to my high school, White Hendrickson. He's like, I don't know, he's like top five in the country or something in wrestling. He's I in mean, Air okay. Force right now, he's a he's a beast. I mean,
1: Oklahoma State has wrestling too, and like, considering yeah. where they're at, they're they're. They are blue blood when it comes to wrestling. That was yeah. A high one too. yeah. So, I don't all right, know. you ready? Uh, like,
0: hang on. Let me check out how much battery I got 42%. Right. Okay, cool. We're good. All right. And we're back on the Shaken Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove for a little Thursday edition of uh, this podcast just a reminder to you know make sure to follow us and uh, leave a review let us know how we're doing take our quizzes on Sparkle and follow us on social media so let's get into the uh, women's basketball game Uh, I don't have a ton to talk about John I mean they lost 63 to 51 round two of the Sunflower Showdown at Allen Fieldhouse did not go in the favor of K-State this time Uh, pretty poor play all around I think I mean you kind of I think you hit it we were talking on Monday that this is just like they're just two different teams when they're playing in Bramlage versus we're playing anywhere else. And it, it makes it really tough to, you know, um, sweep series and win games in Big 12 play. And it's really showing we've fallen pretty far down in the standings.
1: I mean, there are some poor shooting nights, but then there's going out <laughs> of 22 from three point range. I mean, one make uh, one making 22 attempts. I mean, that's just gives you all the shredders in the world, chills up your spines and all that. Yeah. Uh, Deep shooting or lack of thereof uh, ultimately doomed K-State on Saturday night in Lawrence, in which a rivalry in which K-State has dominated throughout the past few years, but it looks like KU's got it going uh, all out eventually. KU jumped out early, uh, but the Cats were able to regain the lead before halftime, but things just got pretty brutal – uh, in a 21-10 third quarter by KU created a huge hole. Uh, K-State fought back to uh, to tie things up somehow. I mean, considering you can go one for 20, tw- one for 22, I don't know how you would typically do that. Yeah. You tied up at 45 uh, thanks to K-State's uh, lone three-point make before KU just surged ahead for the last time. Yeah, I just think overall. Uh, when you're when you're kind of struggling when it comes to shooting it's going to doom you and case to and KU just came in ready for a fine
0: I mean it's almost surprising this game was close at all looking at the stats I mean there aren't a lot of games where you go one of 22 from three you shoot 33 percent from the field and you're like it's tied at 45 with five minutes left in the game I mean it's honestly kind of shocking I mean part of that's probably because KU had 14 turnovers which uh, probably didn't really help them a lot. We shot eight or nine from the free throw line, which, you, uh, you know, is respectable. It's not a ton of free throws, but Hey, you take them when you got them. Yeah. I mean, another point, great to have Serena Sundell back, get 10 points from her. I mean, obviously 04 from three, uh, <laughs> Laura Mackey, the one person who made the three pointer, yeah. but I mean, you take the lead into halftime, but it's just did not go the way of case. State. you get out rebounded by 17 when you have Aoka Lee, that just makes things, I mean, really hard. I mean, you know, we talked about it um, when they uh, KU came to Bramlage, You know, Tyana Jackson did a really good job of uh, holding down Aoka Lee, and she did it again. You know, Aoka Lee, for her standard, not shooting extremely efficient, seven to 16. You know, give credit to her for getting 13 rebounds, you know, three steals, two blocks. She still filled it up because she's Aoka Lee, and that's just what she does. But, uh, you know, I'll just, it's, it's just really concerning, the level of play, the drop-off, I should say, when we go on the road. Well, Kate, well, add to that, KU also has 28 points in the paint.
1: Uh, they had three players in double double figures as well. Uh, that's what type of numbers K-State really needs to do, uh, really needs to put up in order to win these road games, because we've seen it prove out the past few times now. K-State hasn't been able to win on the road, whether it's based on uh, maturity levels or uh, just not getting anything from their guards overall. Uh, the closest, the, the second leading score for K-State was uh, was uh, Serena Sundell, who was playing on a bad ankle. She scored ten points, uh, had uh, uh, three of ten in terms of field goals. So, I mean, you got to put some of these stuff some of us stuff into consideration and. Kind of like a men's basketball team, you gotta you gotta have reliable shooters as well. It can't just be a Yoko Lee and Serena Sundell kind of carrying the team at times. You gotta have more of more weapons, uh, especially when you're playing against these type of Big 12 teams in which they're gonna especially in which they now take a notice of a Yoko Lee and they're gonna try and do everything they can to get up on her. So you're gonna have to have a lot of a lot more consistency from the guards, whether it's the Glenn sisters, uh, Serena Sundell, Emily Ebert, uh, all, actually I'm looking at these, at these four, all of these uh, combined are O of 16 from three point range. So that, that was,
0: I I mean, go ahead. I was just going to say when the go get rough, I think it was really the Glenn twins who really kind of carried us over the top and they just weren't there. I mean, four of 11 from Riley Glenn, one of seven from Jalen Glenn, uh, it's just, I mean, it really tough. Um, one thing I noticed just watching a little bit of the game is um, especially against Baylor and then now against KU uh, the scattering report seems to be out on Laura Mackey and Emily Ebert. They are getting no respect on their three point shooting. They're basically just clogging the paint and they're like, if, if, you know, if we're going to lose, cause Laura Mackey and Emily Ebert are hitting threes then we'll just live with that, which is seriously concerning because it makes it a lot harder to feed the ball to a Lee and I mean it's it's a it's a real concern when you're you know in the second quarter and you gotta give the Glenn twins and Serena Sundell a bit of a breather. It it it's just not great for a bench depth and it's gonna be a real liability going forward. Well, you did kind
1: of mention it. I mean
0: it 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 is has to become a
1: reliability like we've seen a non-conference play where K-State just seemed like as if they were kind of consistently uh, just connecting on three point shots when it comes to games such as Oregon or some of these mid majors that we've seen in the past. I mean, this is what K State should be living on. Well, that and Ayoka Lee as well. But it, I, I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss of words on this one. But there's not a whole lot of- to say, honestly. <laughs> There's not, there's not really a whole lot to say. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. There's no way to sugarcoat this, but I'm a little bit surprised. Case State really hung into this one, considering, well, for the most part, you went one of, like you mentioned, one of 22 from three-point range. I mean, but free throws are rare, but that's up, that's a positive. You can uh, put for Case State eight of nine on free throws. Uh, I think you forced 14 turnovers as well. I could be looking at that wrong, but uh, nonetheless, you- what.
0: I was going to say, yeah, you're right. There were 14 turnovers.
1: Yeah, so uh, you had great defense, but just the offense wasn't there in and, and this one. And I, I just think KU just came in as a better team offensively to get it done.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you go three of – or excuse me, i uh, looking at KU. Uh, you go three of 18, 0 of 10 from three in the first quarter. You put up seven points. And then, you know, I mean, you have a better second quarter, and you actually going to halftime with the lead. I mean, it's kind of shocking. If we would have pulled out this game, that would have been just absolutely insane, and would have been getting away with one. But it, I mean, that one really hurt because you know we were neck and neck with KU in the standings. Now, I mean, we were talking a few weeks ago, John, about a possible Big Twelve title. But now we're looking at seven and six. We're in sixth place in the Big Twelve standings. Yeah, I, I counted correctly, which is crazy that the, the men are in a higher position uh, than the women. The women obviously have a better record, but it's still just crazy. Um, but, I mean, I think you're, the one upside you can look forward to, John, is the rest of the schedule is winnable. I mean, you have at Oklahoma, which is obviously going to be extremely tough. Texas at home, it's going to be tough. But well, Oklahoma – oh, go ahead.
1: You start with with one of the teams that's struggling at home. You got Oklahoma State in Manhattan, which this has pretty much been a down uh, last few years for the Cowboys. Uh, cowgirls. Is, I forgot if this is women's basketball we're talking about, but yeah. – uh, hang on. I'm kind of scrolling through the schedule, but a lot of winnable games coming up. Uh, you got yeah. you got Oklahoma State Sunday. That's an ESPNU game too. Let's uh, so go to televised. And then you got Texas on Wednesday. That's gonna be uh, that's a wideout game as well. But yeah. That uh, Texas has just well, they beat it. They beat Iowa State, I believe, last night. They they're looking poised to win a Big Twelve title. So we'll see what the, what K State can do against them. Uh, at Oklahoma. Clearly, they're going to be ready for a Yoko Lee after what happened previously against them. You got West Virginia at home. They've been been struggling. The TCU game in Fort Worth on March 5th is the one I'm going to circle at in in terms of can K-State compete in the NCAA tournament if the Wildcats are going to be uh, the road dog in some of these contests because K-State, hang on, I got to scroll up, but it's just not been a good uh, good road at it. Man, I could not – here we go. Uh, But you look at some of these past few games, I mean, you lost to KU by 12. I mean, oh, man, you got embarrassed <laughs> by Baylor as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't really want to talk about that. Viewer's discretion is advised. Uh, 18 losing, plus,
0: 18 plus, just a caution out there.
1: Losing to Iowa State. I mean, losing to Texas as well. Texas Tech early on in the season.
0: Texas on the road too. I mean, those games were not yeah. close at all. Not really close in any way, besides the KU game, the Baylor game, the Texas game, Texas tech. I mean, it was just, they just, I mean, we had no, the Iowa state game too on the road looked really bad. It's yeah. I mean, it's, it's just two t- totally different teams on the road, but you hope you can pick up some wins 10 and eight, you know, and, is and, uh, possible to finish out the season in conference play and possibly even be possibly
1: you might have to consider is this team I'm sure this team I'm sure K-State will have to make the tournament and will make the tournament especially considering you got Aokalee on the team but uh you probably want to get a few more wins just to make sure you're you're on the safe side uh, of the bracket not having to be nowhere near the bubble so lots of basketball to to play uh we'll we'll see what K-State can do uh when it comes to these final few games, the good news is that you got three of our last five at home. So
0: uh, you got a lot of opportunities for K-State. Yeah. I mean, uh, the K-State women's team, 13-1 and at home. And that one loss is to Iowa State, who we had the lead for most of the game, but just kind of blew it thanks to some Iowa State hot shooting and that Maggie Espen Miller-McGraw three off the glass to lose. I mean, that would be great to have that game back and be 14-0 and in Bramlage Coliseum, you know, undefeated at home. Would be awesome. But yeah, four and seven on the road, it's just not and a great look.
1: That is that is just what you call a jack on high situation. I mean you'll get you'll get one person on a uh on one on one part of a day and then a dip and on an I think it's a night where you get some where you get something else. Uh and it's kind of relating to K State where at home K State just looked like a completely different team. And then on the road,
0: they they've been just they've just
1: been struggling, Blake. They've just been struggling.
0: I mean, they really have. I mean, I think just generally big picture to finish out the season, it would be really good to get into fifth or fourth place being in sixth place and having to play one of those top three teams, Iowa state, Baylor, Oklahoma, those are Texas. teams. you, Yeah. Texas Susan, in uh, fifth place right now. Those are teams that you, I mean, you don't want, not want to face those teams. It'd definitely be a lot better to get into a five or four seed and have to play that, you know, the uh, the opposite, the fifth or the fourth seed. That would definitely be a better matchup to try and get a win in the tournament, just to pad that resume, another quad one win set yourself up for, you know, maybe a four or five seats. So, and maybe get a, you know, a good region and do some damage in the tournament. So that's all you can really hope for as a K-State fan, a uh, women's fan right now. Yeah. For so, sure. I mean, yeah. yeah you, do you have any other thoughts before we move on to the uh, men's baseball team? Well, um
1: just continue supporting on the Cats, uh, especially at home, uh, where K-State's gotten a lot of big crowd numbers uh, as of late, especially the Texas Tech one where they poured in a big crowd. Just uh, if you're around town when K-State's playing at home, come out and support the Cats. I mean, K-State almost – K-State had a bigger crowd than KU did. So uh, back in uh, yeah, back on Saturday. So uh, the more support for this team, the more it might contribute –
0: uh, Wildcats. Uh, possibly. Yeah, I think thirty four hundred people. Um, they had it at Allen Fieldhouse. I mean, there have been close to six thousand people who showed up for K State women's game, which is just really awesome. You know, well, yeah, continue to pack the uh, Bramlage and you know support the team. Yeah, and then I, I well, actually, uh, on a non-related note, I think
1: you have to go back to two thousand and two when when uh, K State was really good, was really riding high in women's basketball. They came into Lawrence. And they almost packed that place purple. I I can't really describe it since I wasn't there, but I was also, were you born? I was. Well, yeah, yeah. I was born there. Actually, ironically, I was born in Lawrence.
0: No, but like, Uh, like you, were you born in 2002? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: But I was reading up on this article and it, and it showed that K-State really packed Lawrence when K-State was riding high and KU was struggling at the time. So, uh, just that was just on an a non related note. I don't know why
0: I had to pull that one up, but just... <laughs> It's just a great way to show how passionate k state fans are. Yeah. we really care about these yeah. teams, yeah, which uh, I guess we can just like uh, we can go ahead and get into the uh, baseball team who are about <laughs> to start out their season i I was trying to i was trying to think of a cool segue. I think it's better just to just go right into it. I don't think we need That's to do the, any I... segues. You know, I didn't,
1: it, I, it, I didn't have any, I
0: didn't have any plan. I didn't have any, anything else. We, we never have anything planned. Uh, it's, it's always high risk high reward with those segues. Anyway, baseball team, they are going down to Arlington, Texas for the state farm college baseball showdown. It's a great way to start the season. You get three quality opponents. I mean, number 10, Arizona, Michigan, and Auburn all on the weekend. So, I mean, you know, this is a team last year, obviously the team is a lot different, but it was a team last year that if they didn't have some bad losses on the road, could have actually made the tournament and, you know, had a chance at doing some damage, but unfortunately, you know, just had some really bad losses on the road. I think New Mexico state had a We had lost to them or something in the non-conference. It, was, uh, it wasn't it was, a great look.
1: It was uh new Mexico. And I think oh, okay. lost, uh, Eastern Illinois. Yeah. Uh, as well, so you can't take any of those kind of bumpy losses as well, but, I mean, if you, if K-State wants to go to Omaha, K-State has to play some really high caliber teams. I think Arizona, Michigan, and Auburn are able to do that. Arizona, I believe, is number, was preseason picked 10th in the country. They were the Pac-12 champions. They went to the World Series. Uh, Michigan made it into the NCAA tournament as well. Auburn, they come out of the SEC. That's just another breed when it comes to baseball. Uh, just a great opening weekend to start things off and the more i'm looking at the schedule man there's some really good ones you got nebraska coming up uh, as the home opener on march 8th nebraska is number 20 in the country uh, and then you also got some uh other pretty good ones as well with number 24 uc irvine uh and you got, you got some other pretty decent programs as well such as air force uh virginia tech and wichita state coming up as well but you mentioned it. It was just, uh, I think. Uh, dang it, let me see where I'm at here. I'm taking. I'm looking at uh, some of this early preview on the on the K State website. But uh, you mentioned it. I think it was kind of a. I think it's going to be a little bit of a young team. However, K State did, did have eight players come out of a transfer portal this year to really enhance the roster and add immediate help. Uh, I think there. Are, I think from what I'm seeing so far, they're outstanding players. Uh, who, who has uh who has some really the same values as uh Pete Hughes uh has uh, with his 19, oh man what was it, 19 19 ways or 19 pillars? Uh, I like I think I had to look in a little bit a little bit about that, but you look at sophomore uh, outfielder Dominic Johnson. He made five starts in the outfield, appeared 10 games during his freshman season at Oklahoma State. That one's going to be – that one's going to be big. I mean, you also got sophomore infielder uh, Orlando Salinas, Jr. He appeared in 10 games uh, with one start at Oklahoma State. He hit uh, point, uh, .154, two for 13 with one home run, three, three RBIs as well. So, uh, you got some – you got some other great players uh, from the SEC with the likes of uh, Jeff Henrich out of South Carolina, Blake Adams out of uh, – one of the historic programs in Arkansas. Uh, yeah. Justin Mitchell's out of Oklahoma. Just a lot of guys that K-State really got out of a, out of a transfer portal. Uh, let me see here. Uh, I mean, you I mean, you got, obviously can't forget about Dylan Phelps as well. I mean, he was a 13-preseason All-American by the Collegiate Baseball, uh, preseason first-team All-Selection. Uh, he currently leads all active players with 31 home runs, and he just needs six more to pass uh, Scott uh, Popard's uh, school record, 37 home runs between 1994 and 1997. So, a lot of a lot of questions to be figured out. I, I for myself,
0: uh, I, I don't really know what to expect from his team. So,
1: kind of, kind of looking forward to it for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you missed it, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on an episode, just very quickly, but. Um, yeah, Dylan Phillips, like you mentioned, um, was uh, mentioned on the uh, Big 12 preseason all team. I don't, I don't know if I said that right. But anyway, they're picked seventh in the uh, preseason standings. I mean, if you watched the team last year, you know, Dylan Phillips, Nick Goodwin, Connor McCullough, those are some familiar names that you'll be seeing. But I mean, like John mentioned, there's a lot of new faces, including uh, what you'll see Friday, Blake Adams, um, who's going to make the start Friday. Connor McCullough is the Saturday guy. Christian Rubeck will be getting the start on Sunday. but. I mean, I don't know if I have a ton of analysis. I think it's just a wait and see thing, see how the team performs over the weekend. It'll be definitely be a great kind of um, way to kind of set the bar for the season, a, kind of a barometer check just to see where this team can really go. Well, from what I've seen uh,
1: over the last few days, I, I noticed that Richard sophomore caller, uh, Connor McCullough, Uh he's going to virtually submit a spot this, uh, in the weekend rotation. Uh, you also got Blake Adams out of Arkansas. Uh, German uh, Fajardo, he came from Arizona. That's going to be pretty ironic. I mean, you also got Christian Rubick out of Oklahoma, uh, along with Jackson Wentworth, who was a freshman. Uh, all possibilities of, of starting I – mean, of earning their uh, weekend assignments uh, this season as well. Uh, the thing that also intrigued me a little bit, you also don't have Cam Thompson at third base when it just kind of seemed as if forever – Cam Thompson just always been at that void. He's never missed a game. He made every start. He rewrote some records at the time, and he was a really big contributing factor when it came up to when it came to the lineup and the defense. It's going to be a little bit different not seeing him, but uh, I know the baseball staff have been uh, tucking really high on freshman Caleb Cole, Culpepper. Uh, he'll get a start against Arizona. Uh, so I don't know. I, I I'm looking forward to seeing what. Uh, what this team is made of
0: uh, against Arizona. And we'll just see how it goes from there. Yeah, it'll be a great test. I mean, what, four guys drafted last year? I mean, it hurts in the pitching staff to lose guys like uh, Connor McCullough, or excuse me, not Connor McCullough, uh, Jordan Wicks, Carson Seymour, Tyler Eckberg. Oh, man, there's somebody else I'm missing who played really well for us last year in the relief as well. But it's, it hurts to miss those guys. But it's just next man up. We hit the transfer portal hard. I can't wait to see how this team does over the weekend.
1: I am as well. Go. This is, I think, K-State might be one of the more kind of mad teams you could probably say, since since K-State probably didn't earn the respect as as they deserved to late in the season last year. So, we'll, we'll see what happens. Definitely, definitely one of the hardest schedules I've seen for uh, K-State baseball sakes in a long time. I mean, this. I mean, starting off with Arizona, Michigan, and Auburn. I mean. Add to that, you got Nebraska to start this, the home the home uh, the season at home as well. Uh, you got I think three games against UC Irvine in which may the NCAA tournament uh, last season. So I'm ready for it. Uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Uh, it's gonna be a tough schedule, but I'm looking forward to it. That that's all I got to say on that part.
0: Yeah, I mean it'll be a nice challenge. It's always it's tough Big Twelve, so you got to you know set yourself up for success, and I think playing great teams is a great way to do that. And I mean, I think with that, we can go ahead and get on out of here, John. I don't know if you have anything else to say, but.
1: Cats by 90.
0: Cats by 90. Well, obviously. Well, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, we will be taking tomorrow off. and next week, we'll have the Alley Cats doing some trivia. So it's going to be a super episode. You're really not going to want to miss it. Make sure you're following the podcast. Make sure you leave a review wherever you're listening. Make sure to take our quizzes on Sporko. Our social media links will be in the description. Uh, my personal one, John's personal one, is K-State Game Day page, which you should definitely check out. There's some great content. Just hit 3,000 followers, recently, as well as the Blake Twitter. Uh, make sure to uh, support all your K-State uh, teams. Check out a Portland family stadium when they, the baseball team plays in early March. Support the women's team. Support the men's team. And uh, Cats by 90. And yeah, it's banana, Ima, Ima, Ima.